0: love. Here come old flat top. He come grooving up slowly. He got juju eyeball. He won holy roller. He got hair down to his knee. Gotta be a joker. Just do what you please. It's episode 15, season five. Ravage love, come together. <laughs> Hi, Julie. Right now. Hello, Renee. We That's, are- of course is the Beatles. Yeah. And why did we choose the Beatles this week, Renee? Well, because they're from Liverpool, Julie. Oh, fascinating. Liverpool.
1: Fascinating. Because this week our theme is the British Invasion!
0: You know, I wanted to do like the Austin Powers opening song, but there's no lyrics,
1: yeah. so we could just do it ourselves.
0: Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't sing. I just, I just, uh, Leonard Cohen, everything, right? So maybe Josh will put in the, the Austin Powers music. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the reason why we chose uh british invasion for this week is because i just came back from a trip to london and so Ooh. i thought it would be fun to read a book about london on my trip to london and uh i had a very good time i had a wonderful time shout out to kat longtime fan of the show um She came with me. She has a Ravage Love sticker on her cell phone case, and I have one on my luggage. So we were representing Ravage Love on tour across London. Had a wonderful time. It was unseasonably beautiful. Kat has been there several times, and was telling me like it's always really rainy and it's the spring so it's going to be super rainy so we bought like waterproof running shoes and like a good compact umbrella and i got a trench coat and it was 20 degrees and sunny the entire
0: time oh no <laughs> so it was
1: i mean i wasn't mad at it but um i guess i didn't have a true uk experience i had a unseasonably warm spring but um shout out to communities with credible legible legit public transit um the tube and the bus system in london is no joke it is for real for real and as a result i saw literally everything in seven days because everything was like a 15 minute bus ride or tube ride away from each other and the city's huge but it's just so convenient to get around so i saw multiple museums like multiple museums i did a tour of the warner brothers studios we did went to big ben i saw the tower of london we saw a midsummer night's dream at the shakespeare's globe literally went to all of the museums um and we stayed in notting hill which is actually where my book was set this week which was so lovely nothing surprised me about London and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like it was like, it was just, it was as lovely as I thought it was going to be. Um, it was so lovely to go with my friend because she's a huge fan of London, but Renee, I have to tell you about what we stumbled (laughs) upon one evening that became an obsession. (sighs) Tell me everything. So so when I travel, like we one day walked 26,000 steps. Like we were averaging 15 to 20,000 steps a day. We did so much sightseeing. And then we did my favorite thing in the whole entire world when you travel. I love having a full day, maybe a little evening situation, but then you come back to your hotel, you eat some snacks in bed, you do a face mask, you watch like whatever random shit is on TV there. If you brought your laptop, you crack it open you see what kind of cool shit's on their netflix i'm a big fan of like opening netflix in a different country because you're like oh interesting they have this we don't have this here but we were like we're not bringing any work with us we're just going so we turn on the tv and i shit you not renee hand to god i'm like eating some sort of tasty chocolate because i don't know if you know the story about the uk but they don't put wax in their chocolate there so it actually tastes fucking phenomenal it's very
0: sweet yeah it's
1: so good i literally bite into a piece of chocolate i look at the tv full
0: frontal dong okay Oh, oh okay i mean classic typical yeah but like genuinely the
1: only time you ever see full frontal dong on television in canada is game of thrones With the occasional flash, I don't even know if there was dick in Game of Thrones. I know the Righteous Gemstones, like bless Danny McBride, had full frontal dong in so many episodes and it was hilarious. But like, unless you're (laughs) watching HBO, you're not seeing dick on television in North America. Correct? Correct. This, it wasn't even one in the morning. It's not like it was like a blue nuit situation. It was like (laughs) maybe 8 p.m. 9 p.m. at the most and it is this fucking television show i think it's on channel four called naked attraction (laughs) (laughs) okay this is a god honest truth reality show where oh you have women and men so the first episode that we saw the very first clip was of a woman so typically each episode has a woman and a man And so it's a woman just standing on a soundstage, and in front of her are six, like, booths, basically, that are lit up in different colors. And then the screen lifts to their dick, and then she has to eliminate (laughs) one of them based on their dick.
0: (laughs) You know what? That sounds like it would humble a man.
1: Honestly. You could see some of them literally shaking. You could see their legs shaking. Then it goes up to their chest and shoulders and then they have to eliminate another one and then it goes up to their face and then they ask them some questions to figure out accents which I find so interesting because I think probably the biggest thing that I that did surprise me besides the dick on television was like how you're walking around I'm just not used to it being Canadian like especially frankly in Ottawa but like we have diversity here but like nothing like there. So and also just dialect and accent diversity it's pretty I mean with the exception of like the east coast, Quebec, um you know most people across Canada if you're like born in Canada your accent is pretty similar. There there's you know like you said there's Liverpool, there's people from Chelsea, there's people from North London, South London, different classes. So the last thing is that, j- that you ask them a question to see if you like the sound of their voice aka their accent. Mm -hmm. and then it's whittled down to two and then you have to get naked and then you choose the person you want to go on a date with and the purpose is i guess the the way they frame it is that it's like you're dating in reverse so the idea is that like by the time you go on the date you kind of don't have as many jitters because you know what you're getting into i guess Uh huh okay renee it was fucking unhinged especially because <laughs> i'm like it like we're talking close-ups we're talking women and then like the fucking host of this show who like this woman she would literally be like what do you think of the balls what do you think of the testicles <laughs> like i'm not joking <sighs> and then some of them would be like oh, they're, they're kind of long. And then like the one dude, I remember he like lifted his dick and it turns out he had all these piercings on his balls. And the woman's like, what do you think about that? And, oh my God. And then some of the men you could tell were trying to be gentlemen. They were trying so hard to be gentlemen. Some of them, not so much, but some of them were like, oh, I really like that. She's got good, strong legs. And you're like, sir, you're staring at Volva. like we know what you're talking about Volva. oh my fucking god it was but it was like a train wreck we could not stop watching and then like every night we'd be like looking to see if it was playing and then of course uh-huh. there's only so many episodes plus like there's only a new episode per week so we watched a few of them a, a couple times but oh my god i couldn't believe it i just thought you know people talk about how the british are so prudish and like a stiff up our lip and you know like this whole thing i read spare by prince harry like i know these people are prudish but i was like are they though because you would never have full frontal fucking vulva full frontal peen on television with people just like literally judging people by the size of their cock like who? it was incredible and i'm talking like some of because again, they would choose people based on, I guess, some sort of personality thing that you had filled out. So like, one of the women was like, in her 50s. And so the men were kind of a little bit older. And then like, oh, my God. And then you just and like, literally, the things that men were saying about vulvas were like, so unsurprisingly bad. Like, it was like, oh, she's got a nice tight vagina. I'm like, you don't actually know that you're looking at a vulva. You're not looking at her vagina. Uh, And if you don't know the difference, you shouldn't be allowed anywhere near one. Oh my God. Anyways, that was the most shocking part or the most surprising part of my trip was like, they are just, it's called naked attraction. I kept forgetting what it was called and calling it naked and afraid, but like, (laughs) I think (laughs) naked and afraid reality show, it does exist. I don't know if you've ever watched naked and afraid, but, um, it it really was naked and afraid for some of them because you could see they were shaking in their little booths oh waiting and then yeah then they have to come out and then you're thinking like oh my god this is like i would never and then yeah you as the person that have to strip naked and and at one point this guy this one woman he like ended up choosing her but he was like oh wow she had this like huge scar across her abdomen and he was like oh i wonder what the story is behind that and then the even the host was like yeah that sounds like a story and then he like picks her and then he they're like they build it up like she's gonna be like it was an alien or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and she's literally just like i had a baby
0: (laughs) oh my god and i was like this
1: is how much men don't know fuck all about women's bodies anyways that's what i did and it felt um, I feel like if you listen to Ravage Love, you would also appreciate a TV show called Naked Attraction where you can <sighs> judge men by their giant dongs, um or small dongs. Which again, like then Kat and I were talking. I was like, what? what you know, it's not fair to these men either. Like, some men are growers and not showers, you know? So it's looks like they got small dick on TV, but really get them excited and they'll be oh my god and then i was like how do you go back to work how do you go Uh, back to work after that especially if you got eliminated right from the jump like you go back to work and everyone's like julie you're single because your vulva is hideous like what the
0: fuck (laughs) did you see her twat on tv (laughs) it was
1: who twas twas uh and also it just was like never in a million years what i want to date someone who was willing to do that on television you know what i mean like, oh, that's, 100%. like you're not finding love on this goddamn show and then it's like then they follow up after the date to be like was there anything and like oh my god anyways what a time what a time so if it ever comes to canada then we'll be as cool as the quote-unquote motherland but anyways so that's what I did for a week. <laughs> wow. Sightseeing and then watching some full frontal dick on television while eating f- fancy chocolate. Um, and uh, drinking really bougie tea, which I also quite enjoyed because I'm not a coffee drinker. So going to a country that really respects a cuppa was uh, was delightful. Um, and now I'm back. And... I'm really sorry to say that my book was Womp Womp. Oh no. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. It certainly wasn't even remotely in like the list of kind of worst books that we've read on this show for sure, or even in my life. But have you ever had an experience where an idea on paper is like wasted and you just feel like. Not mad necessarily, but just disappointed. You ever had that? Can you elaborate? So like, have you ever read The Power by Naomi Elderman, for example? A book that no. has been turned
0: into a series on Prime. No, no. Is that the is that the one where it's like you know if bad shit happens to you it's your fault because you wanted it to well that's a secret sorry my bad no 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 yeah the power is a book by naomi
1: elderman who wrote
0: disobedience one of the
1: hottest books slash movies where rachel wise and rachel mcadams get busy as like orthodox jewish women are they full frontal though uh no no but real fucking close Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's like Rachel on Rachel plus Judaism, and I'm here for it. Um, Oh, shalom. But the power, the premise of the book is that when women get angry, they can shoot electricity from their fingers, and it's like takes over the world that women start becoming like literally conduits of power and electricity. And the idea is so cool, but she turns it into like, the worst fucking book about how women just become powerful like men and then basically reproduce the patriarchy are like raping men are like creating Uh. these like really violent religions like it's i think like i think it's a weak sauce attempt at talking about like absolute power corrupts absolutely but it was just so disappointing because the idea was so cool so with this book i was like okay this book is called Just Like in the Movies by Heidi Rice, and she is British, and she was a film journalist for years until she started writing for Harlequin. So I was like, I love this. Like, this is a movie, it's a book about movies written by someone who's worked in the movie business. Um, It came out in 2021, so it's very new. Uh, it is 400 pages. So it's long, yeah, and I would say what made it disappointing was what I then, as I do after I read the book, went and read reviews and people shared in my critique, which was, I don't know if it just needed editing, but there was a lot of repetition, a lot of unnecessary detail, so it felt like a bit of a slog, and it sucks because the writing was really strong and the idea was super cool. But I really had to push myself to finish this. And if it wasn't for the podcast, it would have been on my, like, did not finish list. But um, it's split into parts, which I thought was really cool because each part is named after a movie. And that part of the book kind of has a similar theme to the movies that they're named after. So it's split into five parts. Wizard of Oz from 1939. About a Boy from 2002. Brokeback Mountain from 2005. Oh. The Way We Were, the stories Streisand Robert Redford movie from 1973. And then, oddly enough, The Last of the Mohicans from 1992. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> sidebar, um, as we approach and as this episode drops, we'll be knee-deep in Pride Month. Um, Brokeback Mountain is a beautiful movie. It's one of my favorite movies, but it always kind of makes me laugh because... I have on paper small town redneck parents and therefore you would think they're super homophobic. No. My parents love the cinema, love a good movie. I told them, oh my God, you have to go see Brokeback Mountain. It's so fucking good. So fucking good. Their critique was, (laughs) have you seen Brokeback Mountain, Renee? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Their critique was too many landscape shots of sheep, not enough (laughs) romance and fucking. (laughs) They're not wrong? They're not wrong at all. But I just love how my straight, very straight parents went to the movie theater and they left there and they were just like, It was too boring. Not enough fucking. And I was like, yes, <laughs> But I but again I thought it was very interesting critique because they were like, the way people talk about this movie is that it's just they're just fucking raw dogging each other all day, every day. And he's like, It's actually like two sex scenes, if that really one um and then it's just like panning to a field of sheep and he's like don't get me wrong like the landscape is beautiful but like give me some fucking depth anyways it always makes me laugh that my fucking straight ex-military dad is like "Brokeback mountain was boring (laughs) too many sheep not enough balls anyways so the premise of this book called just like in the movies is Ruby Graham is an absolute mess. The book starts with her being a hot mess because her closest friend and business partner, Maddie, has died suddenly. And I felt an immediate affinity for her because Maddie was a middle-aged gay man with a big personality, love of drama, and really just kind of took her in under his wing and died very suddenly. When I was in my undergrad, I worked at the mall, which uh, listeners, you should know, is how Renee and I met because I sold her shoes at the mall. And my boss at the mall named Pat was a middle-aged gay man, flamboyant, big energy, loved drama, took me under his wing, was so kind to me, and then was like, hey, I'm not feeling great. Can you cover my shift tomorrow morning and I can do your afternoon shift? I was like, great. Went home, died of a brain aneurysm. And he was like in his late forties and it was so devastating. And it was so hard to explain to people because people were like, he was just your boss. And it's like, no, he was more than my boss. Like he was just such a, he was just like, and he had that like crusty old queen energy. You know what I'm talking about where they're like paying you a compliment by dissing you. And you're like, they're constantly reading you and throwing shade, but you're like, I know you love me. So I I was with you right away, Ruby, because that's her feeling. It's like people don't really understand why she's so gutted. And she's like, Maddie was everything to me. He gave me this job as just like an usher because I basically kept sneaking in to um, the independent cinema. Because in London, if you're going to the theater, it's the theater. And if you're going to a movie theater, they call it the cinema. So Maddie huh. owned a, um, which I'm, definitely noticed when I was in London because all the posters for movies were like in cinemas and I was like oh my god so bougie Uh, Uh so he owned a cinema uh, that was an independent uh, art house movie theater if you know for fellow Ottawa listeners you know like the Mayfair the Bytown, something like that right in Notting Hill which is where my hotel was when I was in London so I'm hooked right you're like love movies, independent movie theater, set in Notting Hill. So all these things that she's talking about, I'm like, I've been there. I've seen those things. Close relationship with the boss passes away. People don't really understand the grief. And it's like you had to know Pat to understand how he created community in the most beautiful way. So she throws a celebration of life for him and then gets told, hey, um, can you come to this lawyer's office or, or barrister, as they call them, and for the reading of the will? And she was like, okay, I'm going to assume this is because I'm the manager of this cinema that I need to be there. So she gets there. It's called the Royale. It's called the Royale Cinema. And she's at the lawyer's office going over the will. And then all of a sudden she looks over and she's like, oh, my God, his nephew, Luke, is here. And he's kind of a famous recluse because his mother is this very famous Broadway actress and no one officially knows who his father is but they all suspect that it's this like beautiful kind of robert redford-esque actor from back in the day and he died by suicide so there's all this mystery about the dad and then he she was always denied "No, no 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 i'll never say who the father of my child is but he looks exactly like the robert redford dude so they're like Okay. So this kid's basically been trying to avoid fame his entire life and like has been kind of a recluse and he's a Manhattan real estate mogul who just wants to be behind the scenes working the world of business. And he's based in the States. So she's like, What the fuck is his nephew doing here? A nephew that he never spoke to. And he's like, Well, your guess is as fucking good as mine because I got told to come here and I was like, You mean the uncle I've never met needs me to come to the reading of his will? Like what? And he's brooding and miserable and doesn't want to be there and it's just sort of perplexed. And then it turns out it's because in his will, Maddie left the cinema to both Ruby and to Luke, his nephew. Now, Ruby is delighted that she gets to keep the Royale because she's basically like, This is my home, this is my community. Um, I don't want to lose this job, but I also, you know, I rent the apartment above it and I love this job, but like kind of weird that this dude is here cause he's never even been to the cinema before. So she, um, says, okay, um, I guess we own this thing now. Do you want to come next week to the opening of our classics season? We do this Wizard of Oz gala everyone gets dressed up it's one of those movie showings where you like sing along and you like you know it's like a participatory experience and he's like fuck no and then he starts kind of laying into her and you're like what the fuck and he's his thinking is oh, Maddie was your fucking sugar daddy. And you are just sucking up to me because you want me to invest all of this money in this cinema that's clearly not making money and it's going to go under. And so you're just sucking up to me and you're acting like you care about the cinema, but really you just want the money because you're a gold digger. And she's like, you know, Maddie was a homosexual. <laughs> like <laughs> And he's like, oh, well, uh, still, like, uh, you know, there's clearly some sort of, you know, ill intent in this. And she's like, I know it's really hard for you to believe, but it's really just that there's a community around this theater. And we have tons of gay events. And, like, we're a home away from home from a lot of people. And that's it. And he's just like, nobody has pure intent. So just that archetype of, like, distrusting piece of shit. But then, of course, you know, it's a romance. We're going to find the squishy bits within right so he decides to come to this wizard of oz gala and check it out he shows up tries to be indiscreet but because his idea of indiscreet is dressing just like normally with a baseball cap everyone's like who's this motherfucker who's not dressed up for wizard of oz they're like oh my god it looks like robert redford's son so he gets swarmed by people she drags him up to the apartment upstairs and explains to him like you're going to get this reaction. Your dad was a massive movie star and everyone here adores him. So like, how are you going to play this? Um, and he's like, I don't fucking know, but um, I can tell you that this theater is going under it's in the red and we're going to sell it. And thus begins the primary tension of this book, which is a clearly an enemies to lovers situation, but also how are we going to save this cinema? So then she was like, Hey, fun fact. Another part of the will was not just that you own this cinema with me, but also that, um, you and I have to go sh- like spread his ashes in, I think it was the river Thames. I'm going to say it's the river Thames. I can't remember. And he's like, the fuck, is that even legal? Like, what do you? She's like, I don't know. But he said at nighttime we have to go and spread his ashes in the river. And he's like, okay, well, if I do that, will you leave me the fuck alone? And she's like, look, uh, take it up with Maddie. He's dead, but take it up with him. They go. They get arrested. <laughs> they for trespassing, I guess, and then they go to court. And then she's sobbing and saying, "I'm so sorry. I just wanted to honor my friend's dying wish." Da 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 da. They give her a little fine, I guess, because he seems too smug and too cool to be there, and is American. They're like, "We're giving you community service that you have to spend at the Royal Cinema." <laughs> 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 so. He does the community service, and of course, and working at the cinema, they get close, they get flirty. Then, there's a plot twist. I'm not autistic. I don't have ADHD. Apparently, those are two things that can help you spot a plot twist. This is what the internet keeps telling me. But I spotted this fucking plot twist from a goddamn mile away. Do you have any thoughts as to who Luke's dad really was, or why maddie would have put him in the will what do
0: you think it can't can't be him because that would have been his uncle right Mm -hmm. yeah so what happened was
1: i'm gonna keep calling him robert redford maddie was in love with robert redford and robert redford was in love with him (gasps) but Of course, they could not be together because this would have been like the 50s and 60s, I guess. 50s, 60s, 70s. And so, instead, Robert Redford decided to shack up with Maddie's sister, the famous Broadway actress. And they had this sordid love affair that produced Luke. And so... Maddie didn't have a relationship with his nephew or his sister because he was so devastated that his sister basically stole his man and that is how Maddie realizes oh my dad was an asshole to me but it's because he was tortured because he was a gay man who couldn't be a gay man and I was like a reminder of how he fucked up the relationship with the love of his life and so maddie wants him to have the royale because he feels connected to this kid and wanted ruby to um have somebody in her life and thought oh, i bet you they would be a great couple and so they bang quite graphically didn't mind it good good okay. sex scene couple <gasps> i don't know a couple pages Um, okay (laughs) very pleasurable very consensual whatever they had this like tension-filled moment where you realize like that's why he's so guarded and he's so distrusting because his mom was this like drunk like dramatic broadway actress who was always in the tabloids and his dad was an asshole and elusive and then you find out why and he's like oh that's why i'm here in the cinema with you so then he's like carrie fisher like what's
0: happening (laughs)
1: same vibes same vibes okay um and so then maddie at this point is now falling in love with ruby and he's like let me just buy out the cinema like let me just and she's like no no i don't want to feel beholden to you which i kind of liked as a plot point i really liked that she was like no i think this is just a sign that we need to sell it and move on and then there's kind of like um like a cineplex type company that wants to buy it up and turn it into like a traditional movie theater and so she's like as much as it breaks my heart like as long as you can promise to keep the staff, so nobody loses their job, like I'll do it. And then, like as they're going to this meeting to sign the paperwork, all of a sudden Luke's dramatic mother walks in and is like, "I'm gonna buy the cinema, <laughs> 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 and I'm gonna be classic, a, some,
0: right? Classic. I'm gonna That's be a classic a- Debbie Reynolds move. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly." And she's like, I'm going to be a silent partner, but I want this to be in the family forever. And so Aww. she swoops in, she buys it. She's a silent partner. They get to keep running the cinema together. He's going to move to London to expand his real estate business into London. She gets to stay a part of her community. The gays get to keep their job. The Wizard of Oz continues. D end ah hooray yeah so i think my retelling of it was probably more entertaining than the book itself only because (laughs) it's so long like it's it feels so long and like we've read books on this podcast that are in the four or five hundred page range rarely but when we but they're good like you could i mean i read fiction that's 800 pages like if you're good i got you but this was just like so overwrought and so detailed but in terms of spice i mean to have a five out of five and i'm gonna give it spicy grilled cheeses because there's this thing where she loves grilled cheeses so he makes them for her um which i thought was very sweet and in terms of love a grilled cheese fucking love a grilled cheese and actually they call it something else in this in the uk cheesy toast yes cheesy toast there you go And in terms of accoutrement, I'm going to give it, um, an old school VHS porno, like an old school porno. That's what I'm going to give it because they're into movies. So no gonzo porn for them. I'm giving you old school, like music, the Vaseline on the lens. So it looks a little bit blurry and moody. That's the energy I'm giving this book. So, um, yeah. Just like in the movies about an independent cinema in Notting Hill by
0: Heidi Rice. Eh. <laughs> That's my review. <laughs> I hate like committing that kind of time to a book and then it being like, meh. Right? Like, I, like it when it's really good, I'm like immediately on Goodreads. Like, I read this, assholes. And then I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> Hey yeah yeah it was it was
1: disappointing because like i said it had all of the ingredients for something that i would love um you know you had like lots of queer characters you had like community like adriana herrera writes a lot of books with like queer community whether it's you know whatever it is that they rally around um and the movie references part was really cute so like the different at first i was like what the fuck do all these movies have in common but then like the storyline within those parts was kind of similar to the movie or the movie would be referenced because it was like the movie they were showing that week at the cinema so i thought like that was really cool um but yeah it felt- weird that
0: they didn't reference nodding hill though
1: right and i did wonder if it was too on the nose and that's why they didn't. But, I mean, if you go to Notting Hill, because that movie was, what, from the late 90s? Yeah. If you go to Notting Hill, there the Notting Hill bookstore is still there. And there are shit tons of tourists out front taking pictures of it. Every single market stand that you find in Notting Hill has, like, tote bags, posters, prints of the cover of the movie. Like, the movie poster.
0: I it wasn't even like good as i recall like i don't i don't remember enjoying it i thought it was boring i don't think i don't think hugh gray and julia roberts have chemistry
1: um i liked it but i think i just have a nostalgia for all the lovely like the heyday of 90s rom-coms like they just don't make them like they used to so i think that's where my like nostalgia comes from I haven't rewatched it in a long time so it could be boring it could be just at the time I was like romance Hugh Grant I mean would still do Hugh Grant today even though he readily
0: admits he never moisturized and looks like a raisin would still fuck him I love his like career trajectory where now he only plays villains for the most part um or like cameos yes and I fucking live for that I love that I love I love when actors who were are huge and well-known and very important. Um, like, don't take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love
1: how, like, I just find I mean, he's not for everybody because he was at the Oscars and people were, like, slamming him for his, like, cynical responses to Ashley Graham on the red carpet when she was interviewing him. But I kind of like it. Like, he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. And he's just got this dry British sense of humor that's super self-deprecating. And he talks about like his floppy hair and the bad movies that he made in the nineties. And then like, just like, yeah, he just doesn't take himself too seriously and went from being like the it guy of the nineties. I mean, he was fucking everywhere. Yeah. Literally fucking everywhere. And he was, everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> To, yeah, being like the bad guy in like The Gentleman, like a guy Ritchie movie and then like doing a cameo as Daniel Craig's husband in The Glass yeah. Onion. Like, and isn't he the bad guy in Dungeons and Dragons?
0: He is. And that that show that he did with Nicole Kidman. Oh my bad. god, yes. Yes, like in he- England, in England they call them baddies, Julie. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Bad guys are called baddies. It's so funny. There's this skit, I can't remember the comedy troupe, but it's like these two soldiers and they're nazis and they're they're talking and then they're like are we the baddies (laughs) yeah and he and i love that i think that's so funny i love how like the british have like words like regular words but they sound so adorable but it's like it means something like and that's just the word like i don't know like bangers and mash that's so whimsical (laughs) it's just mashed potatoes and sausages like calm down but like it's so whimsical It's so whimsical
1: and everything they say like there's a reason why people go cuckoo for the accent and like just like when you go to on the tube there's no sign it doesn't say exit it says way out and you're like (laughs) oh yeah because that is the way out like that's what you want (laughs) like there's just so many things that are just like like even the fact that they call them mobile phones I'm like that is so much more logical than a cell phone like Why do we call them cell phones? When has the technology inside of something ever been part of the name? Right? You know what I mean? Like it's just such a funny. Like they just have a very blunt. Oh yeah. And then they call like like whatever it is, eggs in the if you want like eggs done a certain way, they're called like Oh, I can't I'll have to look it up. But anyway, so just it's so whimsical. It's so cute. And you can't help it it can't help but be sort of romantic. So um i have no idea what you read this week but someone's going to tell me it's not whimsical um and Lord, it is, I promise. oh it is
0: yeah oh my yeah. god then please tell me more i just okay before before i go on i want to say that like after i got separated i didn't date for a year like you know this mm-hmm. and the first person i dated was a british man who had come to canada to work for a video game company and he was like super tall guy but he was like a man child but i digress so he said things really funnily like it was funny and he knew it so like one of the words was um aluminum he would say aluminum oh my god or Aluminium he'd be like gets me he, he'd say garage oh, the garage, garage. <laughs> yeah and uh it was just so funny and then i remember like the first time that we made love <laughs> it was like i was just really i was like horny i was like let's just do this and he's like you're very passionate i was like okay cool let's just, just let's fuck let's do this and he's like you're so, you have so much passion so much passion i was like c- c- you shut up you just <laughs> be quiet stop talking and like <laughs> it didn't last we both ghosted each other eventually but oh my god it was just a time it's like, oh, you should come over for Sunday roast. Oh, like,
1: you're like, absolutely not. Like that is Yeah, I was
0: like, I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah, like but... it just it's just it just sounds so formal, which I know is because we are a colony and so we've like bastardized the English language, the French language, like all the languages that we brought here, that they have the formal beginnings and we have the like what the kids did with the fucking words. Yeah. But It's still, oh, God, it's just so goddamn whimsical. Like, when we called to book a reservation before we'd even left, I thought it was an automated voice on the phone because the person sounded so, like, good evening, it's James here, blah, blah. Like, it just sounded like Siri. Like, it didn't sound like a real fucking person (laughs) because it was just so goddamn formal, but yet not it was just him talking you know just but i'm just like oh man we put british people on television so that they look like people of authority because that's who we respect like we're like gordon ramsey fucking <laughs> what's his name from american idol uh that mean guy simon simon cowell. cowell right It's like we just see british people as people of authority and oh so it, it's just and then you meet them and you're like they're just fucking people who sound different yeah
0: well like all, a lot of my family on my dad's side are british um and like some of them came to newfoundland but a lot of them stayed in england and uh they're just wacky they're always wacky folks but um my favorite british actor is matt berry he's you know who he is right like he um he plays like uh one of the vampires and what we do in the shadows he's got oh that my like God. very and he does this <laughs> show I don't called fuck, Toast I'll, of... I'll
1: say his name his name was steve <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes i know he's my
0: sweet cheese yeah um <laughs> exactly. but he has this sh- he was on this show called toast of london his name's Stephen toast on it and <laughs> there's like this running bit which is I-, I love about british humor is that they always have these bits that are just like under the radar until you catch them like the the humor is so dry which is i think like where i get a lot of my humor and he does there's just this bit where he is constantly called in to do voice work like voiceover (laughs) work and there's one where he gets hired to do the new voice on the tube oh my god he's like watch the step they're like can you do it funnier he's like watch the step it just goes on and on and on it's so fucking funny I love him. I think he's just, like, so underrated. I'm glad he's on, on like, What We Do in the Shadows because it's so popular. Yes. Because he just – he deserves all the credit in the world. He's also, like, a, like, prolific, mus- like, singer. Really? Like, he's got albums, like, tons of albums. And it's hilarious. Like, he's just – oh, my God. One in a million, this guy. I fucking – I live for him. I live for him.
1: I love that so much. He is so funny. And people yeah. don't realize until you start, like – what we do in the shadows, the TV show is one of those things that it's like, I only watched Wayne's world for the first time, like 10 years ago. You didn't brag about that. I'm not bragging, (laughs) but I spent not at all. It's a shameful confession, but the entire it's my greatest shame. (laughs) the entire time i was watching it i was like oh my god now i get that reference oh now i get that (laughs) reference like so many things and so that's how i felt watching what we do in the shadows because so many clips from it the audio then got turned into tiktoks (laughs) yeah well my my office
0: mom my office mom jackie she's our um boomer uh employee Uh, she's our office mom and her name's Jackie and so I'm always like Jackie Daytona and she's like oh, I love that like she loves a little nickname and then my boss like it's from a show and she's like I don't know what it is we're like Jackie Daytona all the time and she just loves it and I love it that she loves it so
1: I love that so much <laughs> yeah it's, adorable. it's so love. good well friend yeah we have you ready yeah I'm dying now it's been 40 minutes
0: I'm dying to know <laughs> All right. I read, Pounded by the Pound, Turned Gay by the Socioeconomic Implications of Britain Leaving the European Union by Hugo-nominated author Chuck Tingle. Oh, oh my God. Yay! (laughs) It's Chuck Tingle. Oh, my God. It's been so long. He has no less than three books about Brexit.
1: (laughs) Yes, he does. King shit.
0: Yeah, so mine was short and sweet. It's exactly what you think it is. So, <laughs> Alex Liverbot, 25 years old, has he's woken up and he has mother of all hangovers. Uh, he lives in the heart of London in a rented flat and uh, he's just getting up. He's still got his clothes on from the night before and he's like, ugh. So he gets up. His roommate Chrissy, Chr- Chrissy Butmore, <laughs> is uh, like... What's going on? Like, why do you look so hungover? And he's like, What happened last night? Like, my head is just fucking killing me. And she's like, You don't remember? And he's like, No. And he's like, I think I blacked out. I don't, I don't remember anything except being on a bridge, maybe. And she's like, You don't remember the vote? She's like, Britain has decided to leave the EU. Like, Brexit. It's, it's happening. And it comes flooding back to him, and he remembers being at the pub. The pub um just like getting wasted and then just getting even more drunk after the vote is over and he remembers walking home with a bottle of wine and he, throw, like, he throws the bottle of wine into the river... Is it Thames? The river Thames?
1: Thames, Thames yeah. Well done. It's pr-
0: it's pronounced Thames? No, I don't
1: know. <laughs> 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 I thought it was Thames, but it's Thames, weirdly enough. Yes.
0: I was corrected yeah, when I was there.
1: The river Thames. Uh, La Gach so yeah, he-
0: Thames. <laughs> Thames. Um, so he throws the bottle in the river Thames and... Um, and then, it, like it just kind of all comes back to him, and he's like, "So we're leaving the union?" And Chrissy's like, "Yep." And so he's like, "Okay," but he's like, "Everything, everything feels the same. Like everything feels the same." And she's like, "Yeah, but like the pound is losing value fast, like real quick. Like the whole economy is about to collapse." And he's like, "Huh? Well, you know what? I actually, he like he 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 doesn't. He's only phased by it because he can't tangibly see." any of the change, right? So he he's kind of like, huh, okay, I'm going to go for a walk, just like clear my head. So he's, he, he decides to walk over towards the bridge where he remembers throwing a bottle in last night. Just, you know, get some air. And everything looks the same. Like, nothing looks different. And he's like, huh, okay. And then there's like this crack in, I guess, time and space that happens. And he's like, holy shit, what's happening? And through it, comes a giant one pound coin with a rock and bod and a man's face and he's like you have to come with me it's, it's important and he's like what what are you talking about and he's like no you, you gotta come you gotta come with me right now and he's like okay okay so he sucks him into this portal like this hole As and you he do. sees he sees london and he's like oh my god and like london's on fire and there's like these four story buses tipped over everywhere and there's these like lizard things flying through the sky with lasers and he's like oh my god what happened and and the pound is like he's like brexit happened brexit happened this is brexit and he's like oh my god like how how long has it been how many years he's like it's only been a month and he's like oh my god so he's he's like what what what's with all these things and he's like well um you know, we built these like four tier buses, like, you know, to, to kind of get people around easier. And then, but you know, there was panic in the streets, So they, we toppled them all over. And he's like, well, why are you a giant coin? And he's like, well, you know that the pound lost value so quickly that the government turned us into pounds. And it's like, Oh my God, after a month, he's like, what do we, what do we do? And he's like, we, well, you have to go back in time. You have to go back in time and and warn everybody so that Brexit doesn't happen. He's like, well, they're not going to listen to me. And he's like, he's like, come with me quick. So he he pulls him into this pub, obviously. And uh, <laughs> he's like, listen, he's like, there's only one thing that's going to save the day. And that's love. Mm-hmm. Love is all we need. And he's like, I don't understand. He's like, well, we we need to send you back in time and the only way to do that is to make love to one another and, and be fully in love so that the power of love can stop this. And he's like, I don't know, like I've never ever been with a man or, or, or a man pound. And he's like, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe we can, we can try and find a way. And so they, they fuck, right? They fuck and they fall in love. And um, then they go back in time and show up on in the pub a month earlier, I guess like, like a month or two earlier or whatever. And uh, he's like, we have to we have to stop Brexit. And they're like, oh, sl- you know, slag off. We're not listening to you We're at the pub. We're just trying to watch footy or whatever. Like, I don't know what they do in England. And uh, <laughs> and he's like, no, you must listen to me. And then the pound is like, Come on, you can do this. You can do this. And so he starts singing. All you need is love. everybody in the bar and they're not they're not paying attention and so the pound chimes in and he goes all you need is butts and they just start singing all you need is butts instead of all you need is love and everybody chimes in and they're like yeah we did it yeah and then um like he's like do you think this this will make any difference and he's like we can only hope but in the meantime we can be in love and it's like that's the end oh my god yeah Uh, love that it was actually really funny. It was obviously like every Trectangle book. It was consensual. It was uh, funny, pleasure it was, based. It was pleasure based. Um, I, don't, I don't. It's exactly what you think it is. But it was. It was a joy to read. <laughs> like like I've never ever once read anything by Trectangle that I didn't come away thinking like that was a great time. You know, <laughs> like uh, it was just. just a good time so um i'm gonna yeah what are you gonna read read just a few a few a few chops of it of like uh of a chapter not like in order but like not all of the nitty-gritty in the middle right we don't need to hear about all the semen that get poured out of this giant coin so um i certainly don't so here we go i'm just gonna get right into it all right i try my best to collect myself Wiping the spit from my mouth as I give the coin a playful wink. Sorry about that. This is my first time, I tell him. I guess this socioeconomic disaster has had at least one upside. It's turned me gay. I love giving him pleasure, welcoming him into my body like he's welcomed me into this horrific timeline. I want you to fuck me, I tell the living coin. I want you to fuck me up my tight gay ass, just like we've all fucked ourselves with this vote. Perber smiles with pleasure. The coin flips me to my feet and then immediately spins me around with his powerful currency arms. Oh my god, I groan, pound me pound, just do it. The massive sentient coin teases me for a bit longer, playfully exploring the tension of my anal rim before finally pushing down inside me in one long powerful swoop. Harder, I tell Perber, the words a little bit under my breath, And then once more with feeling harder the living coin picks up his pace moving even faster now as he slams against my backside in ferocious haze of blinding lust you like that Purba demands to know oh my god i scream i love being pounded by my pound soon enough i can feel myself approaching the edge of orgasm but before i have a chance to make it there the handsome coin pulls out of me and gives me a hard slap on the ass even though I'm the one doing the moving here, I still let out a surprised yelp as Purbo's shaft enters me, not entirely accustomed to his thick British banger. Now I'm riding him, swooping my body across the pound's flat surface, in a series of firm movements from the hip. My cock bounces in front of me with every slam, hard but wild as it twirls in the air like a helicopter. All oh, love transcends space and time, I cry out. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. And that was pounded by the pound, turned gay by the socioeconomic implications of Britain leaving the European Union by Hugo-nominated Shark Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, my
1: God. I mean, that was sensational. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sensational. Sensational.
1: Um, I don't think I'm going to read anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a strong Ooh. note to end on. Um, I think that's a wrap, bud. Like <laughs> I think that's what the motherland would want from us.
0: Um, it's certainly that TV show anyway.
1: Oh my god. I mean, very land <laughs> for a country that likes naked attraction, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. This was a delightful little journey. Thank you for letting me, uh, both you Renee and our listeners, um, talk a bit about my trip and recap and let me hijack the show to make it about Britain. But next episode, we're launching into a new theme that we're going to carry for the entire month of June. And what is that? Renee, Kiss que say.
0: Oh, well, we're here. We're queer. We're doing queer people all month. Yes. With a theme. I mean, I think it's i think it's be gay do crime next week is that what we decided yeah. next week is be gay do crimes um yeah but just know
1: if you're new to the show be even new uh renee and i are queer so like the show is queer 365 every single episode right. but right. um and we do often as evidenced by chuck tingle do often read stories about queer characters or and or written by queer authors quite often in fact I would say um Mm -hmm. but we're going to be very make a concerted effort for the month of June to bring you queer characters quite possibly also written by queer authors but um we're going to be bringing you so much gay fucking content we have been doing that for the month of June every year that we've been doing the podcast but On a serious note, I really feel like right now in this point of history when there are so many attacks on queer and trans people, I feel like this is our civic duty to just be gayer, queerer, more feminist, like just all gay all the time i used to be someone who thought you know pride flags and stuff were great but like you know a bit passe or maybe a tacky or something and now i'm like mm-hmm. wrap me up in a gay flag and fucking let me go to the grocery store like i'm just like i want to be so in your face
0: with my <laughs> gayness
1: now um and i know you do as well because that's the speed in which you live your life so 100
0: percent. yeah 100 percent bringing you the amount of money i've poured into bringing pride to where i work um i'm not even sorry i'm not even sorry i got i got pins for everybody i got flags for everybody i i made a whole thing out of construction paper it's huge it's awesome it's beautiful i want every single person i work with to question their own sexuality and gender identity this month. That is my gift to law enforcement. Thank you. And
1: it's absolutely your contribution to anti-fascism is not only am I going to make you tolerant of the gays, I'm also going to make you wonder if you are yourself a gay.
0: <laughs> I think everybody is queer. honest. honestly, honest to God, I, I believe everybody is queer. I believe everybody has the capacity to fuck people regardless of their gender identity i think everybody has the capacity to love people regardless of their gender identity i i just truly truly believe at the heart of everything sexuality is so fluid identity is so fluid and like we just got to be cool about it just be fucking cool it doesn't mean you have to go and stick your dick in someone's butt i mean i encourage it but like (laughs) it's just yeah I, I I truly believe I truly truly in my core belief like there's gonna be no straight Gen Z ears, no. That. And
1: what's that what's that broad city bit where she's like the future is queer and caramel like everyone's gonna be yes. biracial and queer. 100%. I I agree with you ninety nine percent of the time, which is my parents like, and I know my parents are the straightest straight like my dad is the straightest man, my mother is the straightest woman because. My mother was a theater actress in the 80s. They were surrounded by queer men. My parents were both activists against, um, you know, like HIV, AIDS, discrimination. So like they had so many opportunities to be gay and do crimes. And I remember my dad once explicitly telling me that he was like at a, a house party and he was like the only straight man there. And they were like, never, like never, never. My dad's like literally could like you know like the Kinsey scale see Pepper Pepper hears me the Kinsey scale of like what is it what is it one to ten or something and like one is like super super straight or whatever my dad's like that is 100% me like he's like I can see a, a man and be like oh he's beautiful like that's a good looking man but he's like zero part of me would ever feel attracted to that but my mom's the same way like she's just so straight but yet they're such great allies that I let it slide so with the exception of Mama, papa, <laughs> I really do believe that on the right day, most people could
0: lean in the other direction. You think, you th- you're you telling me that if your mother was deposited on the island of Lesbos and your father was put into a coliseum. Yeah. With a bunch of other men. Yeah. They would, they would not fuck those other people. Honest to
1: God, I really don't. And again, it's I know I feel like I know it to be true because they're so not homophobic that it's not like it's the idea doesn't repulse them. They're just generally like, I I can't I can't see it. It's just not hot to me. It it does nothing for me. Um, And again, because they're not homophobic and like so many of their friends are queer. Um, you know, they went to Brokeback Mountain and complained it was boring. Like, they just don't... They have no reason to be closeted, is what I'm saying. And, like, we have had this conversation and my dad's like, yeah, I was 20 years old surrounded by these beautiful, fit, like, acting, you know, like, these were men who were in theater. Like, they were beautiful men. He was like, I had my chance. And I was like, now I'm good. My dad is obsessed with going to drag brunch. Like, my dad brings his wife to drag brunch like he's obsessed with drag he loves it he doesn't like watching it on tv because he's like it doesn't have the same energy like that's how fucking much of an ally my papa is and he's like couldn't do it not for me he's like good good for you fill your boots or your butts whatever you want to do but he's like <laughs> it's not for me but otherwise i absolutely believe that you know most most men like the quote unquote straight men I know I'm like give you five minutes alone with Ryan Gosling Pedro Pascal like fuck you you're getting in there you know you are and they're all then they get drunk and they're like yeah maybe and you're like yeah fuck off
0: <laughs> alright folks well you heard it here first Julie Lone just said fill your butts so <laughs> I think that's a great note to end on I love you <laughs> I love you too thanks for
1: listening folks <laughs>
0: You want to sing us out? Sure do.
1: Ravage
0: love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Karen McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushiguyami. That's F-U-S. H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter. Or by email at ravage at gmail.com Is that it? Just that one word? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, hey, Stephen, that was really good. Um, feeling is here that you could be a bit more positive. More positive? Yeah. You know, really go for it. You want me to go for it? Yeah. (sighs) All right. Yes! Very, very good. Um, let's just try it without the script. Might just loosen you up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, what is it, one word? You don't really need it, do you? I probably don't need the script, it's just a word. Yeah. Okay. let's do it again. Yes! Is that it? Yes. Right. Hi, Stephen. Yes. This is Clem Fandango. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. Honestly, this is going so great, but I just think there was a little loss of energy on that last take. Maybe try one more. <sighs> okay, ready to go? Yep. What? Yes! Okay. Yes! Yes!